I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. I think that is important to have confidence in all of the places. Yeah. But <laughs> where we really need to be careful is how are we defining confidence? Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 58. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're chatting about how confidence affects your content creation, which I I would say a lot, <laughs> at least on <laughs> oh, my, yeah. my end of the spectrum. But before mm-hmm. we go any further, what are you drinking today, Jesse? So I'm actually taking um, one of your drinks, Kate. So that mm. seltzer ginger lime flavor that I had the other day from your house. Oh, yeah. Um, so That's I'm just drinking. I'm st- it's, it's actually really, really good. I'm not like a big seltzer drinker. I know you guys always have them in the, in the yep. fridge. And so, but I loved that one so much. I went and bought some. And then a client of mine just gave me a whole box of alcohol. <laughs> So, so I'm excited to wow. Um, what, no, wait, box of alcohol. Is this like the box it was from wine? Our sh- it was from our shoot the other day and she used it. Oh my it. God. So she, did, she, she came in with like a box of like a box of yeah. a bunch of different bottles. Yep. So I've got some champagne. I've got some beer. I think I have a bottle of wine. Oh man. I wish that makes me wish I'd stayed, <laughs> stayed later. We could have popped one of those things open. Oh. Then I wouldn't have been able to go home. Yeah. I, would have been, I would have been stuck at that home You would have studio. not made your trip to the container store. Oh, my God. That was heaven on earth. Isn't it? It's great. I, it's great. I was seriously like the last time I was there was probably was before we even. It's funny because I, I don't even remember it being around that long, but I was realizing I'm like walking through the store. I'm thinking to myself, why wasn't I so obsessed with this place the last time I was here? And I think the last time I was here there was like before I even had a house, which was 10 years ago. Yeah. So I was probably not into that kind of thing, but I did. I I bought a I bought one of those um lazy susans. Yeah. And Amazing, double layered, right? double yep. layered, and it's in our spice. And I, Alex come came from from work. I called him. I was like, I have something exciting. And he's like, What? And I was like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably it probably was something much more. He probably think it was much, something much more exciting than that. But I was excited when I like opened up the cabinet doors. It's like ta-da. I know. It's so amazing. <laughs> so awesome. It was. It it yes, it was. I love it. A little too it. a little too excited for things like that. But that's mm. what comes with owning a house. I know. So. I'm getting old. But yep. <laughs> um, but we do have an exciting topic uh for our audience yes. today. I know you weren't here for this interview, but it was mm-hmm. so much fun. Our guest was amazing. Um, and it's very informative, very inspiring us to help us rethink about confidence in how we do our work. So, um, yeah, I think, why don't we just go ahead and jump right into our discussion with Jess? Sounds good. All right. Our guest today is Jess Critchlow. She is the boss over at Light Up Work, where she is on a mission to help others build their confidence so they can take action and build that dream business. Before setting out on her own, she spent a decade in corporate running leadership development programs. She's also been a TEDx speaker. So we're super excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to come play with you today. Thank you for letting me hang out in your sandbox for a little bit. Yeah, I know. It's so exciting. So 
The first order of business is, you know, this is cocktails and content creation. So mm-hmm. what are you drinking today? Well, full disclosure, we're recording this in the morning. So I, I have know. a tea, which is so <laughs> unsexy. Yeah. Like just an old lady, just a black tea with a bit of milk in it. Um, Love it. And, and uh, I'm going to like, I'm going to double down on the unsexy and tell you that my husband and I have quit drinking. Oh, uh, no. And yeah. no dramatic story. I didn't wake up in a ditch covered in my own puke. Like it was just <laughs> not a dramatic story. It was just literally pandemic life. Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, Hmm. Maybe we are drinking for the wrong reasons to <laughs> numb our life because it's, Oh my God, we're trapped in this house with our young children. And Oh my God. So I'm, I'm on the club sodas these days. Yeah. Is there any good mocktails that you've been enjoying then? Do you create anything okay. fun with those club sodas? Um, can you stop making me seem less cool the more we dig into this? You're so cool. Like, that so would cool. be. <laughs> I uh, freshly squeezed lemon, and I'm telling you, I am telling you, it feels like drinking a cocktail. There you go. That's all you need. I know. Perfect. I know. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. yeah. I love it. No, no, no. That's perfect. So, all right. So, <laughs> club soda for you. I'm yes. going to be having a cocktail later. I am definitely just drinking Yay. the coffee right now. But okay. Uh, wait. What's what's your cocktail? then so I so I don't have like a one like cocktail that I drink but I really love like the ciders and like the really crisp like not overly dry I definitely am a little bit more on the sweet side but mm-hmm. fortunately in New England I don't where actually where are you from I'm uh close I'm sort of across the river from Michigan I am Canadian but I'm okay. like an honorary Michigander pretty much okay. yeah okay so in and we have a lot of breweries. So we have a lot of options for cider here, which is oh, great. Nice. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it, okay, wait, wait, I have one more thing to say about cider and then we can like, people yeah. like, really, is this whole episode going to be about cider? Oh, it's totally about booze. No. <laughs> cider in the world, personal opinion, whatever. Yeah, this is, yeah, I'm not, yeah. this isn't sponsored just to be clear. Um, if you ever have a chance to try Aspel's cider from England, Ooh. do it. It's okay. by far, it's like really kind of tart, but quite sweet. And the bubbles are perfect. And you can just, oh, you can oh. gobble those babies up all day. So that is my, okay. not sponsored, but that is my plug for you. I am right that on the now. old cider wish list. Awesome. Oh my God. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> okay. So let's get into the discussion. So usually what we like to do is we like to learn a bit about our guests. Obviously I gave you an intro there, but tell us about your journey and what it is that you actually do here. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm going to be concise and we can dig into more that is of interest because you know, the thing we show up webinar and they spend five minutes walking you through their whole life and they go, Oh, and here's the three tips. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that to you. Don't worry, Jess. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> so, um, started my career in corporate. So I worked in big corporate learning and development, which is essentially for those who don't know is fun HR. It's like leadership coach training programs, like org, like cultural workplace culture programs. It's the fun HR. So I did that for a decade. Um, and then, and I moved around and I did some stuff in Ontario here in Canada. And then I moved to England for a while, which I'm sure we'll chat about. And you know, one of the big things that I did in that uh, just over 10 years is I had to really, really rebuild my entire understanding of confidence. Mm. Obviously, we're going to talk more about that. So I won't yes. dig in a ton, but but yeah, tons and tons and tons of work around confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then as 
you know, I spent a lot of time in corporate and I loved it. I'm one of those weirdos who actually liked going into an office and liked the like, let's see, that's what the organization chart says, but how do I actually get things done? I loved that whole game. <laughs> I'm a, I know weirdo. Um, but I did go into a self-employed role purely because the stuff that I loved doing, which was the leadership coaching um, and the training, that was 30% of my job. The yeah. rest was <laughs> sitting in meetings, <laughs> doing programs at a debt, like, you know, so I know that. And then after I had, I had two kids and it just, it made a lot of sense to stay in this self-employed world. So that is my quick and dirty version. And then we can dig into the pieces that are actually of interest. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So you mentioned you moved to England. That must have been, um, tell us a little bit about that because, um, you know, the show we're going to be talking about confidence and how it can affect your, um, your content creation specifically, but, um, but that big of a move, I mean, was that scary for you? Did you just jump right into it? Tell us a little bit about that part of your life. Oh, was it scary? Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe it'd be helpful to understand like why, like, do, was it a whim? Was it, um, was it because you yeah, met somebody? Like, a, good question. Yeah. a little bit of both. Um, so I had, I had been, again, I'd been working this great organization in Canada. It was blood, sweat and tears organization, like 60 hour weeks. It was amazing, but it was a lot. So I had plans that I was going to, well, I was still young enough. I was going to get what's called a youth visa. I was like, I just want just for the experience, just literally no other reason than I think English accents are cool and England is cool and I like red buses. So why not? So it was a little <laughs> bit of a whim to the plan. Yeah. Like there was no, I didn't have, like I wasn't raised my aunt. No, I just was like, that'd be cool. So that was the plan. And then at my friend's wedding, um, I met a British boy. Oh my gosh. And I just thought like cute accent. Like I can make out with a British dude. That'll be fun. And you yeah. know, whatever. And we just ended up connecting and we stayed in touch, which was very strange dating someone in another country across an ocean, but whatever. And I was like, well, I mean, I was planning on moving there anyways. Yeah. Now to answer your question though, about, Oh, was it scary? Yes. Um, and I think where we get really confused with like big life decisions like this, even, or even little ones, even like, should I take this job or not? Should yeah. I move into this apartment or whatever is we start to think about step. And by we, I mean me as well. I'm in this step 87, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right? It's like, I do that. Then I've got a, oh my God, well, I'll have to buy a new couch because this couch won't fit in an apartment in England. And how, what do I do with my car? I'll have to sell my car. And how do you sell a car? I'm going to Google selling a car. And what do you do with the insurance? And you start to like spiral into the 87 things that need to go on the to-do list for this decision. Yes. No, (laughs) that is your brain. Cause we got to remember what our brains are there for. Like, yes, they may be paintings and beautiful content and create great graphics, but really our brain is just there to keep us safe and alive. Yeah. So doing things with even a smidge of risk, like, Oh, I don't know. Being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And yeah. Moving across the country, but your brain doesn't want you to do it's risky. So we have to first just notice we're spiraling and just go, what is the next thing? The next thing is just filling out my visa paperwork. The next thing is just sending the email to the client. This thing is just booking that vacation at my day job so that I can do that training I signed up for, whatever. Yeah. What is the next thing? Do that thing. Have a problems backlog. I love a problems backlog. I don't think you should ignore these things. Write them down. That's fine. You just don't have to solve them in that moment. So that helped me a lot with that move is like, yeah, of course I had to think about what to do with my car, but I don't have to think about that today. Yeah. Today I just had to download my paper and do that. That that reminds right? me of um 
the movie Mars, was it with Matt Damon? And he was like, you know, he was at oh, the I end of the movie. That. Yeah. So he was at the end of the movie and he was teaching other atro- astronauts in the program or going through the program. And he's like, we're here to solve a problem. And we solved that mm. problem. And then we solved another problem. And then we solve another problem because, you know, he had all these problems he had to work through to basically mm. stay alive. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you tackle that, you know, the, the crisis at hand or the situation at hand, you can't think about 10 steps down the road. Like we have to deal yeah. with this first and then we'll get to that step. So that that's funny yeah. that you meant, I don't know why I thought of that movie. I, I, I love that. I love that. I movie. mean, you'll have to check it out, but moving to England is exotic than moving to like Mars, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I a know. lot of things in there to do. And, you know, and I think the other thing that helped me a lot was just normalizing that it was scary. Like, of course it was scary. I'm doing something brave. Yeah. Sometimes I think when we get that, like, that are sweaty and our heart is racing and we've got a pit in our stomach, we think, oh, something is wrong. Yeah. You know, the meaning we make up about that reaction in our body is like, something is wrong. Something's not okay. And sometimes that, that the annoying thing about that is sometimes that's true when you're standing, you know, in front of a tiger, this is not okay. You should not be standing in front of our carnivorous, carnivorous, huge animal. Correct. Agreed. Oh my God. Your body is right. Yes. Right. Sometimes it's just, you're being brave. Yeah. Sometimes the risk is your life. So yep. Listen to that. It's like, yeah, it's okay. Um, and so just being really mindful that like, yes, this is scary because I'm being brave and I'll figure it out. Yes. This is scary because I'm being brave and I'll figure it out. Right. So just changing the stories that my brain was making up about the freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like a lot of mindset. Oh, it sounds mm-hmm. like a lot of mindset work. So I know that we're going to kind of focus in and hone in on like how this confidence um, translates to content creation. You know, we've got this, you know, a lot of times with entrepreneurs, you know, we have our, per- I mean, with anybody, actually, you've mm-hmm. got like your personal life and your work life, whether or not mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur or you're in big corporate, um, you know, is it, you know, sometimes I find like I can be super confident in one context of my life and then not confident in another. And like, how, how can we start to think about being confident in all aspects, you know, taking it, you know, and is it really important to be confident in all aspects to be successful in our content creation? I guess if that's, if that question is making sense, but no, it, it does. It does make sense. Yeah. And it's a great question. Um, and I have some, I have some thoughts. I'm going to organize them in my brain. Okay. The first one is, uh, and I'm, we don't have to agree on this, but I'm going to throw out my thought. Perfect. I don't believe that there is actually a separation between work and personal life because mm-hmm. you are you. And so, you know, often, especially again, my time in corporate, when I hear people say like personal life at the door or don't bring that into work, that's mm-hmm. not a thing. That's not a thing. Mm. Um, do I think that is important to have confidence in all of the places? Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, but <laughs> don't worry for those of you who are like, wait, oh no. <laughs> but but <laughs> where we really need to be careful is how are we defining confidence? Mm. I, you know, one of the reasons I dove down the rabbit hole of self-development and personal development and getting coaches and mentors and training programs and reading 17 million self-development books is I get the feedback, especially, especially at the beginning of my career, because it was unexpected, like young twenties, yeah. you're supposed to be awkward and sweaty. And people would regularly say, 
you're so confident. You're so confident. It's so impressive. Like you deliver train like trainings. And, um, you know, we used to have this auditorium at this organization I worked at and I do presentations in front of, you know, hundreds of employees, like you're mm. so confident, you're so confident, but inside I didn't have what I thought of as the feeling of confident. I was sweaty. I was, my palms were sweating. My heart was racing. My breath was, I was like, but I'm not confident. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what's going on here? And so it's just constantly on edge. Yeah. And so one of the things like, oh man, confidence is a practice, not a feeling. Mm. The the feeling that we talk about, like this feeling is actually comfort. And look, I love comfort. I flip and love it. Like I love sitting on the couch, eating chips, watching dog training videos. That's what I do these days. <laughs> I love it. That's so comfortable. And I feel confident in that moment. There's no risk. I'm cool. I'm good. I'm not sweaty. My heart isn't racing. I'm just eating some salsa, watching dog training video. Um, that's a nice feeling. And it's a great feeling. It's not confidence. There's no risk in that moment. So what I talk about a lot with confidence is it the practices, it's the practices you do to know what yours are and to take action as a result, to know mm. what you can do and take action as a result. It actually doesn't matter if you are, your brain is like, your heart is racing and you feel a little bit nauseous. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. mean you're confident. It means you care. Yeah. We have some nerves. Sure. But why are we saying that's like, it's not a bad thing. Right. Why have we painted that as a bad thing? It's not. It doesn't mean you're not confident. It doesn't mean you're not ready. It doesn't mean you need to practice. No, it just means you care. And that's fine. Interesting. I feel like I've never really heard it talked about that way. I mean, I don't think I've really had a lot of discussions about that have centered on confidence or anything like that, but I like that mm. you've sort of reframed it that way. Um, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs you know, they have the, you know, these feelings of imposter syndrome and that can really be a big block in, you know, a big, I don't know, a weight on their confidence factor. And what tends to happen or what I see happen is that they just don't do anything. So they're, they're frozen in writing that next email. They're frozen in writing that next blog post. So, you know, those are some of the things that I've seen in the industry that affects content creation. And it's really, you know, content creation is is important to building your business. Content marketing is really big. And if you mm-hmm. can't put yourself in a position to create it, it can really be detrimental to your business. So in addition to those things, how, you know, how important is confidence to our content creation and how does it really mm-hmm. affect it um, from your perspective? Oh, oh my gosh, Jesse, how much time do you have? Okay. I know. Okay. I know. I'll know. <laughs> be concise and we can dig in as we need to. Okay. So first I want to be very clear that I probably about three years ago had a complete 180 on how I thought about and coached around imposter syndrome because I used to believe and this, and there is truth in this as well. So I have, you know, imposter syndrome was your brain being annoying, right? Mm-hmm. Your brain popping up with that little voice. Who's like, Oh, who do you think you are? They're going to find you out. You're not actually that good. Oh, you're overcharging though for your skill level. They're going to find out they're going to fire you, right? That is the imposter syndrome voice. Yes. And I used to think, okay, that's our brains being annoying. Let's rewire that. And while that's still true, if we take a step back and think about what our brain is really good at, it's good at making meaning about the world, right? This is why conspiracy theories are a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Brain takes like two points. (gasps) 
I know it must be aliens, right? Like our brain is great at story making. Mm-hmm. And so why content is even a thing because we love story, right? Yeah. So if we think of it from that perspective, we have to take a step back and remember imposter syndrome. Yes, it's your brain being annoying and chirping you and blah, blah, blah. But it's actually something that's done to you. Hmm. So every time you put a quote forward and someone says, really? just for content creation, huh? I don't know. It seems overpriced. Boom, imposter, a bucket, like a little coin in the imposter syndrome bucket. Every time someone talks over you in a meeting, every time someone says like, oh, I hired a coach for a million dollars a month, but you're $200 a month quote. I don't know. Imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome. Oh, you're a bit of a fraud though. Oh, you're not really that valuable. Oh, they don't really need this. Oh, this isn't really a real job. Every time your parent says, so when do you think you'll maybe like get a real job? Boom. Even though you laugh and go, oh, mom, you're so silly. Imposter syndrome, little, mm-hmm. little, little drop in the imposter syndrome bucket. So one of the things that we need to be really, really, really vigilant about every time, every time we have that experience, we have to be super mindful of the meaning we're making up out of it. That's mm-hmm. their, that they don't value content. That's true. Creation. Great. Good luck to them in their business. Good luck to them. Okay. That's not about you. That's about them. And good luck on their long-term plans because it ain't going to go well (laughs) with good content, right? We have to be really, really careful that we're not taking it in and making it about us because it's never about us. Like, it's just not. Does that make sense? Totally does. Yeah, it really does. So um, I guess I wanted, I know I didn't really like ask this in our questions, but you know, if there are a few other like, okay, so like kind of pushing it aside, but like, are there any other, I don't know tips or solutions. I know that you dive deep into this and probably, you know, in your one-on-one work or, you know, whatever, but if we're feeling these blocks other than just like kind of pushing it back on them saying, you know, it's not about me. It's like, Mm -hmm. they don't value what I do. You know, are there other things that we can be doing in our day-to-day work to help us get through that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a few things. So one, a simple one is boundaries. Um, and specifically for content creators, I mean, how often are you looking at competitors? How often are you like, are you looking at the comments all the time? Stop doing that. Don't do that. (laughs) Find a specific time where you've had a tea, you've got some resilience, you're ready to look at the comments and are 99% of them going to be lovely. Of course, is one person going to be a bleep, right? So being really mindful about when you're exposing yourself to that stuff is huge. So, so boundaries is one. Two is uh, be very clear about who you are talking to when you're creating content, even if it's for another organization, right? You are not talking to the critics because the critics are going to critic. That's what they do. That's like, that's their, they need to get to a therapist. You don't need to, like, don't create content for the specific purpose. And I know everyone knows this, but it's worth repeating, right? Create it for the people, the 99% of the people who already love that organization or love that product or even for your own content, right? But just super mindful of who getting grounded in, who am I creating this for? Who am I, I creating this for? I love that. And then I think, I think. Like, and again, it's kind of the squishy mindset stuff, but whenever, like, I love the mindset stuff, hence why I create a career out of it, um, is having, like, starting to rewire your brain a little bit with um, a mantra that you say out loud before you, before you sit down, right? So figure out what is the thing you're struggling with? What is, like, what is the, your imposter syndrome voice saying? Like, get really clear on that because everyone has their own version of it. 
and find that can just, you can rewire your brain to this. For me, one that I use all the time is it's safe for me to shine. It's safe for me to shine. Super cheesy, but it helps. It helps me not hide, not kind of water down everything and find your version of that and say it out loud, like out loud, even in the mirror, bonus points if you do it in the mirror, but say it out loud. That's how we rewire our brain. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Boundaries is something that I've been really trying to be better at as far as like where I spend my time and my energy. And I find that, you know, taking, you know, an hour to like write an email because I'm scared of what the response is going to be. Like, I don't do that anymore. I'm like this, you know, I'm kind of a little bit more frank. I'm still friendly. Like that's my, my approach. Like I'm not going to be a jerk about anything. And you know, I'm a friendly person, but I'm also going to have to protect those boundaries. And so I'm a lot more clear, a lot more Mm. straightforward. Um, you know, but I think when it comes to, um, content creators, so I'm a photographer, so I create content for other brands. Kate, who was not able to make it here Mm. today with us, she is a content creator and she, um, you know, in the influencer world. Mm. So she, Mm. she does that. So, um, she works you know, or she knows and is in this world where content creator, the actual title can sometimes, you know, be misunderstood or even photographer, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, you just take a couple snaps or content creator. Oh, you just like put on, you know, Mm -hmm. pretty outfits and like, you know, what are your thoughts on like those positions where sometimes because they're not understood well, can almost bring a sense of like imposter syndrome directly to them. And is it just taking Mm. those tips and like kind of putting it aside or I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Oh, I do. And let me be clear. It's because you have a career. That's a weird made up career. Hello. I'm a coach and facilitator. People like, so like (laughs) you get paid to be someone's friend. I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it's look, unless you're like teacher, doctor, lawyer, nurse. Yeah. Get weird of you just it's it is you get and and I think this is is bad advice but I'm gonna give it anyway (laughs) you can you don't know not everyone has to get what you do and that's okay when a lot of my relatives ask do I say I'm a consultant for small businesses they go cool and that's it and I am so happy with that. Whereas when it is someone who maybe I just feel a little bit safer with, or someone who I've got a good rapport with, or just someone who I think is also self-employed, then I'll go into, oh, I'm a coach and mentor for leaders and business owners, specifically around the mindset of confidence and how to start before they're ready and take big action. Go into the the stuff that I get fired up about. Yeah. Not telling my uncle Paul that. Like, I'm just not. I'm telling him I'm a consultant and that's it. Yeah. And that's okay. Not everyone has to get it. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I see this a lot because <laughs> I, I do work with, still do a lot of like training for corporate. So it's not a lie that I say I'm a consultant, but I see it a lot in LinkedIn. Like I have a lot of contacts in engineering and, uh, and they'll po- do a post on LinkedIn that honestly, I, I know it's English words. I have no clue what the post means. And I'm like, they are totally owning their expertise. And yet people like us walk around thinking everyone has to get it and they freaking don't. Right. You can, this guy's on there talking about, we do manifold processing for post-injection this. I'm like, what? Yeah. But his people know what that means. So great. We get to do that too. We get to right. just talk to the people who are already get it. Right. 
Right, exactly. And that kind of goes back to your point. And that goes back to your point about like owning like your audience or like, you know, really paying attention to that and kind of pushing out the critics because, you know, it's, they may not get, get it or understand it or. Yeah. Critics are going to critic, man. That's what they do. We don't really have to worry about them. That's okay. They're going to, they're going to do their thing. That's fine. Now. Um, so I know this wasn't a question either, but what, um, how, what capacity do you work with? Um, you know, so you, you touched upon, you still do work with some corporate clients, but like when it comes to like small business, cause that's mainly our audience, small business and entrepreneurs, mm. like what capacity, like, do you serve them and how, how do you, how do you get them to that point where, you know, they're, they're feeling better and their business is, is thriving, you know, because yeah. they have this like major block. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because this is where I have to admit I'm such a chaos brain. I'm like, <laughs> okay, so my if you go on my website, what it will tell you is I work with people, at least individuals in two main ways. So I do one-to-one coaching, six-month coaching where um, we do weekly calls. I look at all of their stuff, second set of eyes that were on Voxer all the time for those moments where they're like, I'm crying in the bathroom because someone was mean to me. What do I do? I'm like, okay, let's process this. Let's do oh, this. Wow. Right? Yeah. So that's one way I'm so madly in love with my one-to-one clients because there's just so much intimacy there. And like, we really, you know, like I had a client um, that I worked with last year. She doubled her business. Let me Wow. I didn't like tell her, here's your strategy. So just in case anyone's like, oh, she can tell me how to double my business. No, I can't. I really can't. Like that was all her. She gives me credit, you know, it's yeah. not earned, but purely because I was a support and I helped her do brave things that she knew she needed to do. And whatever. we unpicked why she was avoiding the brains, brave stuff. And she went to it. So that's one-to-one stuff. And then I have a group coaching program as well that I run twice a year for um, those who just like can lonely. And so I run a, a three-month group coaching around confidence and just having a really small group of women. Um, just supporting you, cheerleading you, like all the things. And there's content and stuff in there. But, and then the the chaos part is I also just do a ton of bespoke programs. So like <laughs> I'll do team building stuff. And, you know, so I do a lot of bespoke stuff as well yeah. um, for leaders and organizations. But but those are the two kind of main, main ways that I work with people. Yeah, it's interesting because I think, um, you know, when, when, you know, and this kind of goes back to like the impact that confidence has on our content creation, whether it's creating content for other brands or whether it's creating content for our own brand, like for marketing and how like that client that you just, you know, explained or gave that example, she grew, she doubled her business or grew Mm -hmm. her business two times. And it wasn't like you're, you're not a business coach, but the fact that you were able to get her past these blocks. Mm. And, you know, I know that when I really decided to like kind of go more in on my photography business. I also have a course for photographers, but specifically <gasps> I love that. Yeah. But specifically when I decided like, okay, like I need to like really stop, you know, screwing around with this. Like I need to make sure I like, <laughs> I almost said a, a word that Kate would have gotten mad at me. Um, you know, I need to stop screwing around and really take this seriously. And, you know, I had to overcome this, mm-hmm. this like, this yeah, like you can charge what you need to, you Mm. should be charging what you need to. And, you know, it was almost to your, to your, you know, point that mindset shift that, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't need a coach to do it, but I also can see value in having someone there alongside you, like, just like a shoulder, like, like, like that boxer sounds great. Like, oh crap. Mm. Like I'm really scared to like publish my new pricing on my website. Like, what do I do? Like, oh my gosh, you know, getting past that. But then once you do, I just feel like, and I'm not a big wooey person. That's just not 
me, but you know, I do believe that when you sort of open your mind to receiving, like Mm. I just, I ended up getting booked like my first year as a brand photographer, I doing been doing photography for a while, but being confident in that, like, yes, I got this. Like, and there was huge imposter syndrome with going from like a wedding family photographer to a brand photographer being like, I'm not a brand expert. Like, how am I going to work with other entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and figuring out what images are going to look good for their website? Like I, I had to kind of learn my process and the way I do things and how I get results. Um, So it really can, and I can attest that, that it really can affect how your business grows and evolves. So, um, so where can people find this information and find you? Okay. No, wait, I have to say something first about what your story. Cause oh, I'm like, yes, yes. I know. And then we'll go about like, here's how amazing I am. And here's how you find me. We'll <laughs> yes. do that. All right. Perfect. Um, Let's do it. Oh, what I loved about your story you just told is imposter syndrome. So there, there has been some, some interesting research around imposter syndrome. If anyone's interested, go and read uh, Adam Grant's, I think it's called Think Again. Okay. Rethink, think again, whatever. Adam Grant's most recent book. He does, he, oh, brilliant book. He says imposter syndrome can be great because it encourage you, encourages you to not get arrogant, to not just have loyalty to your own idea, to seek advice, to think outside the box, to be open to feedback, et cetera. And I was like, that's not been my experience with the women I work with at all. The men, yeah, probably. Like, and I work with with men in private coaching as well. I was like, that's weird. There's a little asterisk. I look at the asterisk and sure enough, sure enough, Adam's like, yeah. So that's true for men. For women, what it does is women just don't start. When men have imposter syndrome, they go, oh, I'm going to be open to feedback. I'm going to seek advice. I'm going to get help. I'm going to hire people to support me. Women go, oh, I guess I'm not ready. I shouldn't do it at all. (laughs) And you you had the, oh, who am I to do this? I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) That is what we want. Like, so I am, I'm like waving my hands for those who can't see me so often with mindset work. And this is why I have a love hate relationship with mindset work, even though it's a bulk of what I do. We think that it's fix my brain and then go and do the thing. No. Yeah. Fix your brain while you're doing the thing. Think like work on rewiring your beliefs while you're like following up with leads around this new project you're doing. It's not, they're not separate things. You can't do them. You can't fix your brain and get rid of imposter syndrome in a vacuum. Like you both, you do all of it at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, and something else you said uh, that I think is really important and I forgot to touch on, there's a huge myth that confidence is an individual game. We are social creatures. We, our brains are physically wired to care about the people around us. So I don't care how much therapy you've done, how much coaching you've done. If you are in an environment where you have clients that treat you like garbage or a boss that is always Mm. belittling you, your confidence will not be at a high. I don't care how many books you've read, how much coaching you're getting, how much journaling you're doing. If you are in an environment where people are not supporting you, your confidence will take a hit. It just will. Yeah. So we have to be super careful that we have supports around us to keep us going because yeah. you can't do it alone. Like it's just not an option. It's right. not a thing. And if you don't have those people, get your butt on the socials and find them. Like, yeah. Find them. Do it now. Don't wait. Like right. just go and find you need a squad. Like you can't do it alone. It's just not a thing. Right. 
Well, and actually this brings up another point that I think has helped me. And I don't know if this is an approach that has helped you or any of your clients, but sometimes I have to reset. And like, if I'm on there and I'm getting ready to type a proposal response or response to like a weird question that I just am not comfortable with, Mm. I always have to say, well, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. I send this email and they don't like it and we don't work together. And it was probably a red flag avoided. Like, yeah. So for me, going back to that, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? And usually it's like the world's not going to end. Like it's, it's not going to end. I'm not going to not make money. Like that's the attitude that I have to have to like get anything done. It's like, it's the worst that can happen. (laughs) So I don't know if that's an approach you've you've taken with any of your clients. I love that. No, it is. Like I, I will admit I'm careful to be picky about when I use that because our brain's not great at understanding the difference between something you've imagined and something that's mm. happened. So you still get the adrenaline response when you're like, I'm going to imagine how awful and catastrophic this will be. You'll still get the <laughs> adrenaline spike. Yeah. You will. Yeah. Right. But it is that, oh, hundred percent. That is so useful for what could happen and what would I do? What could happen? And what would I do? What, and just really go a few levels deep, like, oh, well then they'll fire me. Okay. Then what? Well, they'll push, put bad reviews about me. Then what? Well, and then I just have to go get a job. Okay. Can you handle that? Yeah, I can. Okay. Then send the email. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's okay. So good. Our brain, you know, we love anxiety. It's whole definition is I'm going to make you freaked out about something that's not even true in this moment. So you can't even enjoy this moment. And there's me all freaked out. So just, yeah, nail it down, man. Nail that thing down. What is the thing that you think will happen that's freaking you out? Can you handle it? Oh, Nine so times out of 10, yeah. Nine times out of 10, yeah, you'll be like, yeah, it'll suck. Like, don't get me wrong. It won't be like, hooray, I lost all my clients. <laughs> no, that will suck the big one. Yes, of course. Yeah. And odds are they'll just respond and go, okay, thanks for your email. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right, so, exactly. Yeah. So you get worked up pretty much 90% for nothing. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I oh, love that so though. Good. It's such a good tool to use. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now, yeah, now okay. that we've got people super excited on some of the tools <laughs> that they can use, if they're like, okay, um, this chick sounds awesome. I want to find out more about her. Where can they do that? Um, I am hanging out way too much on Instagram, working on my boundaries as well. I speak from experience. So Instagram, I'm at light up work, um, where, you know, yeah, post way too many videos of my kids. So just, you know, skip through the stories. If you're not into kids, it's fine. Uh, and then my website is also lightupwork.com. And I have some, um, I'm giving away a handful of free imposter syndrome coaching sessions to this month in February. So um, there's going to be a few of those left when I imagine. So anyone who listens to this, even if they're all full, just send me a message and I'll create another spot for you. Um, so those are little mini sessions on working around imposter syndrome. Perfect. And we'll get that all linked up in the show notes on how they can access that or get in touch and find you on all the things. things. This has been so wonderful chatting with you. I am super excited. I think our audience is really going to enjoy these little nuggets that we've given them. And yeah, hopefully they're feeling a little bit more optimistic and confident, like moving forward. Oh, Jesse, it's grateful you let me hang content creators you magical people out there, you are just, your whole job is being brave and that deserves a huge round of applause and, and support. So, yes. so I am cheering all of you on. You're being brave. Keep doing your thing. Keep creating the magic because the rest of us need it too. All right, Jess. Well, it's been fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Jesse. So I'm just going to be completely honest. I have not listened to the interview yet, 
break it down for me and like right. baby steps. Baby steps. All right. Well, it was a fantastic interview. Um, you know, we missed you and, you know, but it was great. It was great. So one of the things that I loved about this episode was, and this is something we've talked about a lot, is how boundaries actually can really help with mm-hmm. the confidence factor in your day-to-day business operations. So hmm. one of the things she was saying is, you know, when you're, you know, in the day-to-day, in the throes of it, looking at content, planning content, reviewing content, is to be able to set boundaries apart from some of those negative spaces that might be, um, you know, triggering the low confidence or that imposter syndrome. So, you know, staying away from the comment section or just being able to block out those negative comments that may come in or, um, you know, scrolling on Instagram. I don't think she specifically mentioned that, but I'm thinking of, you know, sometimes that can be a space for negativity and, uh, Mm. you know, comparison. And so making sure that you're setting boundaries and in the spaces that you're using for your content creation or viewing content. I think that Uh, is so important because I think of like, especially when it comes to things that I might not get invited to as an influencer or something like I'll go down this rabbit hole of who else was invited. Right. Why why wasn't I invited? How can I get an invite? You know? So it's, it's shifting your mindset that, you know, okay, you're not invited, but then that's it. Like you don't have to worry about it. Like it's their loss and that's it. And so I think she, she talked about some of these ways to reframe and uh, use mindset work around that. Um, But then one other thing I thought was interesting is like being clear on who you're speaking to so that you're really not going to be worried about the haters. And so you don't go into your content creation being like, well, you know, so-and-so made this comment or made this, you know, about I should be doing this or I should, or, or this type of person needs to be doing that. Don't write for them, write for those that already love your content and keep Mm. that in mind. Don't, don't shift what you're doing to appease the haters or those that are, you know, fueling that negativity, um, right. For those who already appreciate and support your message or your offer or your service. So, make sure that you're writing for them and not for the other people. So I really loved that she was able to break that down and say like, oh yeah, because what's going to happen is if you're going to be thinking about writing content and you're trying to appease the people that aren't, you know, maybe supporting you, it's going to fuel that imposter syndrome and fuel that confidence, um, you know, lowering that confidence and you're just going to get stuck. And I think we've heard a lot of people get really stuck in content creation. So kind of avoiding that. I love that idea because it's it's kind of like, why do you care what yeah. people who don't like you think? They're not going to read it anyways. So right. So no matter what you do, account? they're probably not going to read it. So don't waste time trying to create the content for them. Create it for the people that, that, makes that will. Yeah. So much sense. I love this. I I'm really yeah. You're, you're going to listen gonna like to this, this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one of the other tips she had was uh, to uh, you know have a mantra. Um, mm. you know, and hers was, it's safe for me to shine. And so I, I haven't, ha- I haven't developed my own, but I think that's going to be on my list of things to do throughout this year is kind of developing what that mantra looks like. Um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing that, you know, I know we asked her specifically 
is about titles and what we call ourselves because, Mm. you know, you're a content creator. I'm a photographer. And sometimes when, you know, let's say you're in a group and, you know, you're at an event and you introduce yourself and like, you can say like, what do you say to somebody? Because there's this fear that they might like be like, oh, so all you do is like take a couple photos and like edit them and like, and you charge an arm and a leg. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. this fear. There's around a stigma too. Stigma around t- certain titles and especially when they don't really understand what it is you do. So what I liked um, her approach was like, you know, sometimes if you read the room and you feel like, you know, you might get those types of responses to just shift your mindset. And so for example, I think she used, um, she used the word, you know, instead of coach or, or anything like that, because some people are like, oh, you just get paid to be somebody's friend. She used, she would say, oh, I'm a consultant for small businesses and leave it at oh. that. And that's something they can understand. And that's something that they can like wrap their head around. Yeah. And it's like a coach because it's sometimes, and, and we're in this beautiful space right now where we can basically come up and create our own business, mm-hmm. um, whatever that is and call ourselves whatever we want and spend a really great um, world to live in, but yeah. with that people get confused and people don't under necessarily understand what it is you do. And so they immediately mm-hmm. go to what they think it is and, oh, how hard could that be? Oh, that's just something made up. Well, no, it's actually like real and I do real work. Yeah. So, um, so thinking about it in a way that, you know, you don't have to necessarily say one thing or another, but say it in a way that they may understand. You know, it's funny because I've, I've always hated the term influencer and it's, you know, I've said this to my mom before and she's been like, well, why, if that's what you, you know, if that's what you do, why do you hate it? And I think it's because of like the whole influencers in the wild, that Instagram account and everything. And I think a lot about those, those grids that you see online where it's like, what, my friends think I do, what my family thinks I do, what the public thinks I do, what I actually do. And I've never once called myself an influencer. I've said blogger, um, content creator. Um, But when it comes down to it, essentially, because I am doing most of my work writing, I mean, yes, I take pictures and stuff like that, but I, a lot of times I'll just say I'm a writer. Yeah. And People, even though that has its own kind of um, enigmatic quality to it, people, well, what do you write? You know, that kind of thing. At least they're, people seem impressed (laughs) when you say, oh, I'm a writer. Yeah. They don't, that doesn't seem, and it it is too bad that there seems to be for certain titles a stigma because when it comes to an influencer, like if you're truly an influencer, you have a lot of power and a lot of, you know, there's not just the power though, there's the responsibility as well as everything that goes along with it. There is taking the pictures or hiring somebody to take the pictures. There's the editing. If you're doing your own photography, there's the writing, there's figuring out how to get it seen by the right people. It's, it's also thinking about, you know, as we talked just a minute ago about writing for the people who love your stuff, you want to make sure that you are writing for your audience. So it's not just, you know, well, a lot of times that is what you would want to read and here, you know, sometimes you really are taking in other people into account. So it's putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. So there is so much involved with it, but there is that stigma. And I agree. We are in this time where there's, I don't think there's ever been this many, you know, small businesses in the world, you know, 
I mean, granted, there's more people in the world, right? The mm-hmm. mil- billions, but like, I feel like more and more people either through side hustle or actually taking it full, full go at it. Um, they're, they're more and more people are creating their own business and to be able to name your title is empowering. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yes, we need to take into account, well, what, what, what does that title mean? What might it mean to other people? Sometimes just how you present it is definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. way to go about it. So yeah. I really, really, oh, I wish I listened. I, I need to listen you'll enjoy to it, it now. You're, you'll enjoy it. Well, when I edit this all together, <laughs> you will. I will hear it. So, well, thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Cre- Creation Community, and leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you would like to talk to us about. We, You can follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation uh, and check us out on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. You can email us at Cocktails and Content Creation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at FashionablyKate and Co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos or at the Brand Photographer Method if you want to learn more about uh, brand photography and pivoting into that genre. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating. Mm-hmm.